that will arise to a new world. And hello from Los Angeles. My name's Michael Benner, and this is our weekly Fearless Intelligence Self-Awareness and Leadership Seminar or class. Uh, This is our third week, and I'm doing it a little differently each week. First time I called in by phone. I used a VOIP system last week. I'm trying a different preamp this week. So we may have a few little kinks to iron out, but I think uh, it'll only get better and better. This is a kind of a virtual community. Somebody used that phrase in an email to me this past week, and I thought, yeah, beyond being a webinar and a teleseminar and an online seminar and a class (laughs) and a talk show, an audio program, it's also a virtual community. And you have the opportunity, as I'm sure you know, to listen online via the web, submit questions with the text box on the bottom of the page. Or, those of you who are calling and listening live this Sunday night at 7 o'clock Pacific, you can participate a little later in this hour by pressing star 2 on the telephone touchpad. That'll signal me that you want to be on the uh, on the program, and uh, I'll pick up these calls one at a time, just like an old-school radio talk show. Uh, you can only hit that button once, by the way. If you hit it a second time, star two, it'll turn you off. So don't keep hitting it. It's like those crosswalk things where <laughs> we all do it, right? You want the traffic light to turn in your favor so you can cross the street and it's as if you hit that button more times it's going to get you there a little sooner. It doesn't work. It never does. So uh, pressing star 2 more than once is not going to help you one time. Hopefully that's not been an, an, an issue. The issue is most of you are bashful. So uh, we'll love to have your text messages if you're online and If you are calling tonight and are willing for us to have a short little chat, I promise I'll treat you gently. Consider in about 30 minutes participating in that way. Besides this live event, we do podcast this program via the iTunes store, uh, Stitcher Radio, which is a nice app for your smartphones and tablets, and Most of the major podcast directories pick up the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. Uh, This Fearless Intelligence Seminar is a project of the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. So if you search for it in the iTunes store or Stitcher or some other podcast directory, be sure to search for the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. All right? or Michael Benner's Mystery School, and you can find it that way. Well, tonight I wanted to talk about lies and fake news and hyperbole 
and psyops, uh, psychological operations, mind control, alternative realities. It's a pretty amazing situation that we're in, particularly around the election. But even the campaign leading up to the election of Donald Trump was filled with lie after lie after lie. And most Trump supporters don't really care. They say, well, all politicians lie. Well, yeah, I I suppose that's true. It's in the nature of a politician to exaggerate or employ lies of omission. We'll talk about different kinds of lies tonight. But we've never seen a candidate like Donald Trump create a completely separate reality out of thin air, an absolute fantasy where it's not a matter of lying so much. It's it's a matter of never telling the truth, of saying whatever comes off the top of your head. And I think if you really want some insight into the well, I, I guess you would say the sociopathology of Donald Trump. It's people like Donald Trump who suffer from narcissism or other personality disorders. They believe everybody else is doing the same thing. So it's not as nefarious as you might think that Donald Trump is purposefully creating this alternative reality and just saying whatever he feels like saying without any regard to the truth. He thinks everybody does that. And I suppose if you pressed him on certain absolute truths like math and science, like, hey, Donald, what's the square root of nine today? Is it still three? Or did somehow the square root of nine change to a different number today? I think if you lean into him, he'd he'd probably admit that some things are absolute, but he's not interested in that. He's interested in saying whatever he feels like saying. Then we have the situation of truthiness. Now, this is a word coined almost a decade ago by comedian Stephen Colbert, formerly of The Daily Show with Jon Stewart. Then, as you know, he had his own program on the Comedy Channel, The Colbert Report, and then he picked up David Letterman's spot. Um, Gosh, I guess it's been a little over a year now on late night Uh, CBS. Colbert coined this term truthiness, and it's in the lexicon now. It's been picked up by the Oxford Dictionary, Merriam-Webster, the other major dictionaries have added truthiness to their lexicon. Truthiness is believing something is true because you feel it ought to be. Now think about it. (laughs) Seems like it ought to be true. Part of why all of this can happen now is the Internet, of course, and that most of us have not had classes in journalism, don't know about the nature of the media, which is plural for medium, the media, the medium 
of news is the middle. It's not the source of news. It has to have attribution. So if the New York Times or the CBS TV or CNN report something, they're supposed to tell you, or Fox News for that matter, they're supposed to give it attribution. Now, about 12 or 13 years ago, Fox News started broadcasting gossip as if it were news, and they would use a device that Donald Trump picked up. Uh, Some people say, you'll hear this a lot on Fox News, well, that's not attributed, it's not attributable, so it's not news. You have to say, the mayor of Los Angeles today said that the budget for 2017 will be over $100 billion or whatever. And, uh, well, what's your source? Well, the mayor said so. I'm just the medium, the middle, the media, in the middle between the source of the news and the consumer of the news. And yet, I'm afraid that without a class or two in journalism, most consumers of news (laughs) don't know that The media is not the source of the news, but merely media, medium, the middle, you know, the messenger. What's that old saw? Don't blame the messenger for the message. Don't kill the messenger. The mailman brings you bad news. Don't shoot the mailman. He's he's just delivering the news, the, uh, the mail. So we have confusion around that. And I don't suppose that's something that we can fix easily since a big part of the Republican agenda has been to underfund public education and now to basically privatize all public education. Uh, That pretty much ensures that America will continue to be dumbed down unless you have the money to go to a really good charter school or other private school you'll be in good shape, just like health care, right? If they pull the plug on the Affordable Care Act, the wealthy people in the United States would continue to have some of the best health care in the world. But if you're not well-heeled and don't have a lot of money, don't have a great job with an employer that's providing a good health care plan for you, you're in trouble like so many people you just may not go to the doctor when you need to go and and suffer. And it's so odd because public education and public health was for decades, for, for centuries, a great hallmark of America and, and part of our greatness. We had uh, the understanding that it's in everybody's best interest for everyone to have a good education. So it was free, public education. And that it was in everybody's best interest for people to be healthy so that some contagious disease doesn't run rampant, right? Everybody benefits from public health. Everybody benefits from public education. And yet we're seeing that dismantled now. We have Fox News for about 13, 14 years now saying things like, some people say, and Trump had a version of that. He would say, some people say, he would also say, I'm hearing. And on one occasion, there's 
videotape of it or a video recording of Trump saying, what do I know? All I know is what I hear on the Internet. Well, that's part of the problem. This president-elect of the United States of America, the leader of the free world, who insists, I've got a good brain, I've got good words, at the same time says, all I know is what I hear on the Internet. I don't need intelligent briefings. Moscow's telling me everything I need to know. What did he say to Chris Wallace this morning? Uh, why should I hear the same intelligence information over and over again? I've got a good brain. I know all this stuff. Boy, remember the last time you thought you knew everything? You were about 14, right? And <laughs> that's a sign of an incredibly immature, childish individual to believe that you already know everything. So... This is part of the problem. So that Fox News gossip, where there was no attribution, began to spread. Trump picked it up. It dovetailed perfectly with his sociopathology, his narcissism of just making stuff up. Because, again, he's under the impression everybody does that. Everybody lies. Everybody's just BSing. Few people are interested in anything, in anything factual, and most of his supporters don't care. Well, why are we talking about it here? In what I've described as a virtual community, because what we're looking for is non-political, emotionally intelligent responses to the stress and anxiety that comes from current events. We need to be able to sort these topics out in our own head to not only understand how to be the best individuals that we can be, the most informed and the most aware, but develop that self-awareness to the point that we can empathize with our friends and neighbors and provide the leadership that they need to sort this out without getting angry, frustrated, defensive, or hostile. That's not leadership. If you want to influence people that don't understand these things, what's the difference between a lie, a white lie, a gray lie, a, a black lie, or a dark lie, a red lie? What is partial truth? What is a lie of omission? How important is it to consider the motive or the intention behind the lie? How does it affect the person who's lied to? How does it affect the person that's doing the lying? And I think a good place to begin is what's the difference between absolute truth and relative truth? So let me just rip through all of this real quickly, just a cursory overview of truthiness, lies, hyperbole, intention, <laughs> and the sociopathology we've already talked about where, you know, it's narcissists and borderlines and a few other personality disorders where people really just fake it. They're just 
making it up as they go along. And you could argue that everybody does that to some extent. What we call our personality is a character or a role that we play. But the idea is to do it in your integrity and try to find some deep moral or ethical base in our conscience to stand upon, to be grounded in what's good and true and beautiful, what's right. And to come from that place of personal integrity. And for some reason, when I hear the word integrity, Donald Trump is not really the the person who comes to mind, nor any uh, uh, politician. Again, I'd rather talk about the emotions, the stress, how to manage the anxiety that comes from all of these lies than go on tonight about, oh, did you hear who he's appointing Secretary of State, the head of Exxon? Oh, did you hear who's running the Department of Labor? A guy that's in favor of robots and opposes minimum wage. Oh, have you heard who's running the Environmental Pollution Agency now? There's plenty of that. That's not what I want to do. I want to keep bringing it back to self-awareness and leadership. Intrapersonal, which means being aware of how you feel emotionally, how that impacts your thinking and vice versa. Manage those emotions, impulse control, but also assertiveness. When to hold back, when to step forward to be emotionally intelligent, and then to develop the empathy or the social awareness that we need to provide leadership and influence and persuade without having political arguments. You see? Because that never, nobody ever wins those, I'm, I'm sure you've noticed. All right, so we've talked about the sociopathology of people that are just making it all up and they think everybody does. We talked a little about truthiness, which in many ways goes back to the Bush administration. That's where it really began to develop steam. Bush would talk about his gut feeling. He just he just had a gut feeling that Saddam Hussein had weapons of mass destruction, had no proof But that didn't matter. They cherry-picked some phony evidence they got from the CIA. And in spite of millions of people in the streets, uh, in 2002, they went in and shock it on, you know, the whole horrible story, a million people dead and no weapons of mass destruction. Somehow many of us knew. I have radio programs from that time when I was on KPFK, saying very clearly, there are no weapons. We know there are no weapons. The inspectors tell us there are no weapons of mass destruction. Not since Reagan sold Saddam Hussein back in the 80s, some chemical weapons, which he used on the Kurds. Those were American-made gas weapons. (laughs) Did he have weapons of mass destruction? So... Truthiness is, it feels like it ought to be true. 
This is a basic reversal people do. Instead of recognizing that your thoughts can be used to judge other people, but your emotions, even if stimulated by others, are personal responses and they tell you about you. So if you do a 180 and get that turned around, like many people, you will end up using your emotions to understand other people and the world around you, which never works. So we could call truthiness an emotion. I know it's true because I feel like it's true. My emotional feelings are telling me something in the world out there is true. If you feel something is true about you, I feel confused. I feel like I'm on top of it. I got it. I'm feeling a little under the weather today. Well, that's appropriate. <laughs> that's not truthiness. That's what a feeling is supposed to do. Be a response that tells you about you. But what's interesting about truthiness is that it exposes this popular myth that your anger tells you something about the person that made you angry or that we need other people to love us. And we just don't understand that no one can insult you if you don't agree. And nobody can love you unless you feel lovable. These are the basics. It goes beyond truthiness, but these are the basics of emotional intelligence. And we'll touch on them repeatedly. Don't worry. If you say, hey, boy, I'd like to know more about that, stay with us. Join us whenever you can here. Sunday night at 7 Pacific. Now, what is the difference between an absolute lie or absolute truth or an absolutely true fact and one that's relatively true? Well, when a person says there are no facts, there is no such thing as absolute truth, there is some merit to what they say, but they're not absolutely right. <laughs> there is such a thing theoretically as absolute truth. In philosophy, the word absolute in this context is often capitalized because it refers to the overall unity of the cosmos or the universe or the one life or a concept of a divine creator that is not personified as a man on a cloud. So a philosopher that doesn't feel like using the word God for fear it'll bring up an image of big white guy with a beard and a long robe on a cloud, he would or she would use the word absolute to refer to that overall unity. All right. That, that, uh, all-embracing, all-inclusive common link or common source or, or creator. Is there absolute truth in the world? Well, arguably, yes. As I already said, the square root of nine is three. That's not likely to change. The speed of light is fixed, although we've probably got somebody here that's smart enough to say, well, Michael, uh, Actually, in a strong gravitational field, uh, the speed of light can be affected, and light will actually bend, and maybe 
on some quantum level, the speed of light is a variable, but for all intents and purposes, it's a constant. The speed of light is a constant, and that's true. The acceleration rate of gravity is a constant. These things are true. There's no need really to go on. Water freezes at 32 degrees Fahrenheit, zero degrees uh, centigrade. Now, change the barometric pressure, maybe that's going to be a little different under pressure. But nevertheless, the beautiful thing about the absolute truth that we find in science and math is that it's true whether you believe it or not. That's one of the great things about science. You can count on it. It has integrity and it's reliable. So what is relative truth? What are they talking about when they say, well, depends on how you look at it. Your truth might be different than my truth. Yes, a great deal of truth or facts actually are relative. And the examples that I used to use in my classes and that I read, I'll tell you where I read this stuff the first time, was in a book called The Kabbalion. Not to be confused with Kabbalah, Jewish mysticism, but Hermetic, ancient Egyptian philosophy. The author is claimed to be the three initiates. If you want to get the book, it's free online. You can Google it. It's free. The three initiates, the Kabbalion, K-Y-B-A-L-I-O-N, Kabbalion. And these authors, or the author that uses the pen name, the three initiates, is very clear and well-studied in saying wonderful examples of the relative nature of truth can be found in asking yourself, when does slow become fast? And, of course, immediately you say, well, I guess that depends. Like, slow versus fast, like the story of the tortoise and the hare. Fast, like driving your car 60 in a 55. Uh, Fast, like a speeding bullet. Fast, like the speed of light. When does slow, what is slow? What is fast? Slow as a molasses in January. It depends. It's a matter of degree. It's relative truth. When does big become small? Is it bigger than a bread box? What's small? Relative concept. In fact, when does hot become cold or cold become hot? We even measure that in degrees. You say, well, these things are all a matter of degree. Well, with temperature, we call it degrees, right? Freezes at 32 degrees. Oh, it's 72 degrees outside. What a nice day. But imagine that it's 55 degrees, and uh, my friend Steve from Maui is in town, and he says, geez, it's 55, get me a jacket, and my friend from Alaska, Brad, is in town, and he says, I think I'm going to take my shirt off, it's really warm, it's 55, and so my friend from Alaska thinks 55 is a warm, balmy day, and my friend from Maui is freezing, and yet it's 55 degrees. Absolutely true, but is it warm today? Relatively true. All right, so that's that's where we have to sort of concede the point that in some situations, truth is a matter of degree. It's relative. What's true for you may not be true for somebody else, and yet there is 
or there are absolute truths. Now, let's jump to the white lie, the gray lie, black lie, red lie. There's different models. This is not carved in granite. But this is largely a matter of intention. The white lie is generally done for some sort of good, like to protect someone from being hurt, to help them out. Uh, it may even be a sacrifice for you. you. You may even suffer or find yourself at some disadvantage as a result of telling a little white lie to help somebody to improve a situation. And we'll let the philosophers decide, I would hope, on a situation-by-situation basis, whether that's a good thing or not. I think there's room in an ethical world for people of integrity to occasionally tell a white lie. Sometimes just to keep it simple, sometimes to prevent someone from being hurt. Basically, I think a lot of us have decided not to lie not only because it's the wrong thing to do in most cases, but it's just a lot of work. you got to keep your story straight and remember too much. And uh, when I was a kid, I smoked so much pot, I had a horrible memory, and I just decided I'm not going to lie because I'll never keep my story straight. So it's just <laughs> it was just easier to tell the truth. So, as you might imagine, a gray lie, then, is where we begin to get in trouble. Gray lies are usually done to create some advantage, but they're not dark. They're not really evil. It's just a middle position between a harmless lie and a harmful lie, a relative position, a gray lie. Then a dark lie or a black lie is patently evil. This is a lie that is deliberately intended to confuse, to offer false information, to, in most cases, elicit a undeserved outcome, whether it's to protect yourself or to enjoy some kind of benefit or gain. A dark lie is patently self-centered and selfish. Well, that leaves the question, what's a red lie? This would be the worst of all. You say, well, how can you get worse than a dark lie or a black lie? Slander, basically. This is the only kind of lie that's forbidden in the Old Testament. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. To slander somebody, to lie about an individual, to cause them pain, suffering, to hurt them in some way, that has traditionally in philosophies, East, Middle East, and West, been seen as the worst lie of all, to lie about somebody else, to slander them. It's like bullying somebody behind their back. <laughs> and that would be even worse than a black lie. Uh, I'd like to go to the phones if you're on the telephone and willing to ask me a question or make a comment. And successive callers could even comment to previous callers 
if we can generate that kind of participation, just press star 2 on your telephone touchpad one time. That'll alert me that you'd like to uh, have me pick up the telephone. I can unmute them one at a time. And while you're considering whether to do that, anything about lies, truthiness, the narcissistic pathology of just making it all up, or uh, absolute truth, relative truth, any of the concepts that we've talked about. Either use the text box if you're on the web, or press star 2 one time if you uh, are listening by telephone. And if you're listening to the podcast, well, you're in the future someplace, we're in the past. And you're invited to join, to join us live Sunday nights at 7 o'clock Pacific. I'm going to go to the uh, text questions and comments and just go through a couple of these real quick. Michael in uh, West Arcadia says, There's confusion today about what the word truth means and whether or not truth is more valuable and real than money and power. Well, in philosophy, especially esoteric philosophy, I can tell you that truth is a real important concept. It's not just factual truth that's discussed in esoteric philosophy, but the only truth being love and awareness. Often in theosophy, and by that I'm not talking about Blavatsky's group so much as the old Rhineland mystics of the 13th and 14th centuries, the early theosophists. And these were Catholic mystics by and large before the Protestant, Protestant Reformation. They often hyphenated love and truth, love truth, love hyphen truth, as if love truth were one thing, the idea being that the material world is impermanent, everything physical passes away, uh, nothing lasts, except for love and truth, or love as truth. And love truth in a spiritual or esoteric con uh, context is not merely an emotional affinity, of course. We're not talking about emotional love. We're talking about self-awareness or awareness, the one thing that the mystics and the shamans and the medicine men and women and the gurus and the priests say is the only thing that's real. Tolstoy said, too, he said, love is the only thing that's real because it's eternal and infinite. Love cannot be destroyed. Energy cannot be created or destroyed. Love is in energy that is awareness. Awareness itself or consciousness is love truth. And it's the middle position in a trinity of will, love, and intelligent activity. It's also in the middle of, um, well, I guess it's a Rosicrucian trinity or a free Masonic trinity, the good, the true, and the beautiful. 
So true is a reference to the middle way between the two outer pillars, between the extremes. The truth is the heart and soul of things. It is uh, equanimity. It is uh, the peace that surpasses all understanding. It's hard for me to summarize in just a few words the esoterics of truth, but certainly it would be superior, Michael, to uh, an esotericist anyway, uh, superior to money and power because money and material power, if you're talking about power over power in the context of money, I assume you are, that will pass away. You cannot take that with you. That does not endure. Money and power, gone. But love is substantial. The only thing that's real, the only thing that's true. And um, Bob in San Antonio, Texas is just checking in to say hi. I guess he doesn't have a question or a comment, just checking in. Let me go back to the control panel for the callers. Yeah, I do have some people that want to talk. So let's go to Beverly Hills don't have a name, someone on a cell phone in Beverly Hills. Hi, you're on with Michael Benner. Hey, Michael? Yeah, wait a minute. I put my headphones down. i got to pick them up. Michael? Yes. Yes, this is Stephen calling in Los Angeles. Hi, Stephen. My cell phone is in Beverly Hills, but I'm in Glendale. (laughs) Okay, good. (laughs) Anyway, um, thank you so much for doing this program. I've been listening to you since the KPFK days, Intervision. Thank you. You know, one of the, one of the things I, um, I struggle with is um, I, I pretty much stay away from the news, all, all news, all media, in an effort to, you know, because I'm very sensitive and, and I tend to, I tend to uh, get bounced around a lot and into a different emotional spaces around all current events. And so... My approach is to try to isolate myself, but I find that doesn't really work. You know, number one, I, I still get influenced, whether it's, a you know, five minutes a day on Facebook and, and starting to get a sense of what's going on out there. And maybe that's even worse because, you know, it's, it's people, it's the, it's the so-called news plus people's gut emotional reactions to it all. So I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. It's like I, I don't want to be the, a guy with his head in the sand about life um, and what's going on, but at the same time, I don't. Want, I, I kind of want to, you know, be able to hold my own a bit in terms of um, being some uh, a kind of person that I want to be, and not and not be yeah. so influenced by, you know, what's going on in our culture. You know, Stephen, I think it's a really good point, and uh, I was just talking about a concept called the middle way, which comes out of Buddhism and Eastern philosophy. And we're talking about love and truth as the middle way and equanimity and balance and centeredness. And I guess, uh, wasn't it Plato or Socrates that talked about moderation in pretty much the same way? The middle way is moderation. And so, a little bit of news uh, would keep you from being fully uninformed and misinformed and confused. But uh, too much of what's called news today 
Um, I mean, CNN is not news, and cable news is not news. It's all commentary and punditry. It's hard to find news. Uh, you can read a newspaper, news magazines, but boy, they're they're drying up and going away. So it's a little bit scary. Uh, internet searches. I think it's important for us also to look for what the Supreme Court once called diverse and antagonistic sources of news. Uh, That's a real important concept that I learned uh, studying journalism at Michigan State. As consumers of news, instead of looking for one right objective source, we should deliberately look for diverse and antagonistic sources and contrasting bits of information, not to figure out which one is right, but to sort of read between the lines and do some sort of, you know, alchemical synthesis of what feels true to you since you've gone out of your way to check out these right-wing sources and these left-wing sources, these establishment sources and these radical grassroots underground sources. and So I think we should balance our consumption, expose ourselves but not overexpose ourselves, and then balance in, this, in a similar way between... Again, I think that's a great phrase. How do I improve on the, on the Supreme Court? Diverse and antagonistic sources of news. Is that... Does that make sense to you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the, the key the key difficulty for me is is finding news that is uh, I don't, where I don't feel assaulted or where the same thing is. You know, you, you tune on, you tune in any easy form of news, and it's just one commentary after another about a thing that happened. And I, I, I you know, usually I, I get it within like a minute, and I have to withstand. You know, hours. If I sit around, hours of commentary, then commercials, and you know, it's really, it's really an effort to find actual, actual news that is diverse and antagonistic, as you yeah. say, uh, versus just having to sift through and sit through uh, all this other stuff. Because my vision is sort of poor, uh, I it's difficult for me to read except on computer or a Kindle. So I've relied more on television news lately than at any time in my life. And you know what I often watch besides MSNBC and a dash of Fox and a little CNN is NHK and the BBC. And if you go to London and um, Japan (laughs) and you're going to get a little bit of world news, it, 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 it's very refreshing, actually. And if you're a magazine reader, there are some. I used to read a magazine. What was the name of it? Geez, it's escaping me now. But when I when I was doing radio talk shows, I used to read these uh, magazines that were like compendiums of uh, news, short little news blurbs from all over the world. And what we'll do is just open it up and tonight, next week, people have suggestions or recommendations for us on their favorite news sources. Maybe that'll help. 
Right. Yeah, it's funny because even like, I, I go on the internet to see if I could find, um, you know, so-called alternative news sources, but it's really hard to know whether whether what I've found is, you know, what what the source really is and, and, and all that. You know, it's just it's just so hard to know. Well, keep it on the back burner. Just say, I'm not sure about this, you know. I'm uh, just keep it uh, on hold or... What's the phrase I'm trying to back burner <laughs> until you get more information and then let it gradually take shape like anything else in your life, you know, even a relationship. You know, you meet somebody new and, well, I'm not sure this could be the one, but I don't know. They're a little flaky sometimes. <laughs> Give it a little bit of time and, you know, see how it grows. I think you have to do that with really important news stories too. Let them develop some roots and grow a little bit and and trust yourself. That reading between the lines thing, you know, I think that, that really helps. You do, many times, I'll say, I, I, I'll say this, many times the right questions are much more edifying than having the right answers. And if you keep questioning and wanting to know something, and and seek to expand your understanding to become more aware at all times that intention that motivation will support you in some remarkable ways it really will so just sort of that socratic idea of focusing on what you do not know and learning to be comfortable with knowing that there's a lot of stuff you don't know and that's okay because you're open to learning more and even after you do there will be still more to learn and the more you learn the better questions you ask and on and on and on uh, let's give up this idea that we can be well informed and arrive at some destination of there now we've got the news okay yeah parting shot no that's it thank you thank you Stephen so long let's go to um, thank you Looks, I think this is my friend Steve, my business partner. Stephen, is that you? Good. Hey. Yeah. How you doing? And uh, I, well, I'm doing better and better, as you know. No, no big surprise. Um, you know, I was, I was thinking about the other side of the coin. You know, as important as it is to take a look at the what what the liars are doing. It's, it's equally important to look at the people who are receiving the lies, you know? Uh, I remember a great quote by Tom Waits, singer-songwriter Tom Waits, said, most people don't care if you're telling them the truth or if you're telling them a lie as long as they're entertained by it. You know, so, so like, the receivers of the lies in today's society are, like, encouraging lies because it's entertaining. It's, it, it's something that, that they go get to go on Facebook and pass along and, like, feel like that. Their ego is getting stroked because, you know, they're entertaining other people with, with these lies. It reminds me of a conversation that you and I have had on countless occasions about the distinction between stress and excitement, that it's like two sides of the same coin, oh no and oh boy. And so, yeah, maybe they are entertained, Steve, but is, isn't it also really stressful, isn't it, adding to our anxiety levels? Absolutely. And, you know, but like you said, a certain amount of stress is good. You know, we want some stress. If we didn't have any stress, we wouldn't get out of bed in the morning. But 
as you know, there's youth stress, there's good stress, and then there's too much. You know, it, it puts us over the top, and we we lose our temper, or we we you know start thinking without or changing lanes without looking. You know, metaphorically. You know, so yeah. But I think what what I'm what I'm getting at though is that so many people these days really don't care if it's the truth or the lie if it if it's a confirmation bias for them. It like if it's what they they it's the truthiness thing. If they believe it should be true, then they want to hear the lie because it confirms for them that they think it's true and somebody else thinks it's true, so it must be true. That is truthiness. That's exactly what that is. And uh, Fox News started that. My, my understanding, my take on it is, it really originated with Fox News. You can believe. I mean, they created an alternative to the news, and the Fox alternative was less about being a, a right wing or or conservative alternative to the liberal mainstream. That's not what it was about at all. It was here's a channel of information. <laughs> that verifies your biases, that is telling you that what you think ought to be true is true. And so we're well indoctrinated into that. Now we have fake news on the Internet, and this uh, sociopath who's been elected who doesn't seem to know the difference between truth and reality, who's... At the same time, he's going to be the president of the United States and the leader of the free world. He's going to be the executive producer of a reality show, and I'm not sure he, <laughs> he, I'm not sure he knows the difference. And, That's pretty hilarious uh, when you think about it. Uh, but, you know, it, I, think, I think it's true that Fox News popularized this, but I don't think they invented it. I mean, if you think back uh, hundreds of years ago, town criers would often call out the news that was what was politically correct, what, what the, their people wanted to hear, so to speak, you know, uh, uh, maybe pro-bigotry or pro-laws um, or things that they wanted up that, that they just wanted to push. So I think this idea of, of telling lies to promote an agenda uh, politically goes back a long, long way. But I think it, it got popularized and almost... It, acceptable for some reason now with not only both sides the left does it the right does it most sides are really doing this this lying or or telling the truth selectively you know somewhere in the in the, the middle of the gray lie stuff from all sources well that's the lies of omission and yeah. uh, i think intention is what i go for when somebody does that or when i perceive that I'm only getting part of the story, I ask myself, well, why did they leave that part out? And a journalist or an editor would say, well, I can't, you know, we're broadcast, we're, uh, we're not print, we can't put all the information in there. And even the newspaper says, well, I only had 18 column inches, I had to cut that out, couldn't put it all in there. So... Um, I guess that's the way that goes. But again, that would, for me anyway, bring up, well, can I speculate on the intention in giving only part of the story, the lie of omission? You know, I did not steal anything from that grocery store. <laughs> I did not have sex with that woman. Yeah. 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 I, I stole it from yeah. the drug store, but I just didn't bother right. to mention it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> 
Yeah, All right. The, the first lie, I think, is that they call those television shows news. Because it's not, it's, it, as you said, it's punditry, it's, it's commentary, it's not news. And, and there used to be news. I, remember, I grew up with, as, as you Huntley and Brinkley, that was news. You know, Walter Cronkite, that was news. But now it's, it's like, this is my opinion, and I'm going to call it news. Yeah. I know what a newswire looks like. I did news for years. You had uh, headlines, and then you had like 30 to 45-second radio, TV news stories, and then you had the expanded story, and then you had a newspaper wire, uh, and those were news stories. And tick, 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 you'd have the tick, 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 and they'd, one story would finish. But there was no opinion. There was no commentary. There was no panel discussion. And so I think yep. you're right. I think the lines between what's news, what's commentary, and what's editorial have become blurred. You know, at one time, Walter Cronkite was considered to be the most trusted man in America. I bet you couldn't find a news person, quote unquote, in the top 1,000 on that list right now. No, that's true. That's true. They, it became a profit center. It's that simple. It's just. News was always a loss leader. You never made news part and never made money. And when they figured out a way to make money, well, that was the end of the integrity of the of the news for sure. All right, buddy, you got a parting shot. That was like the 70s? Did that happen, would would you say? No, I think, well, it's hard to say exactly when, but it was in the Reagan administration that the fairness doctrine was trashed. Both the 80s. Yeah, the yeah. 80s. They trashed the fairness doctrine. And um, that's what gave rise to the right-wing talk show, where any semblance yep, yep. of balance and fairness was thrown out the window. I, said, I don't need to be fair. What's equal time? What's fair time? I don't have any regard for your position. We're going to micro-target this little niche market of old white guys with lunch pails getting in their pickup trucks at lunchtime. That's all we need. Breitbart, same thing. We're going to target yeah. the Klan and its sympathizers and make millions and millions and millions yeah. of dollars. And they have just by targeting. Who knew that they had a niche market in fascists and neo-Nazis? But they buy things too. Stephen, I'm out of time. Give me a give me a parting shot. Well, okay. In in our relationships, remember that it's not just honesty; it's compassionate honesty. Because honesty can be really hurtful. So do your best to be compassionate with all your honesty. Okay, bud. Thanks for calling. Appreciate Take it. Take care, Michael. So long. Steve's normally in Maui, but uh, he's calling from uh, the East Coast someplace tonight. Uh, I've got another call or two here, but I'm not able to uh, to go to them because I want to keep this at about 60 minutes or so. Let me thank you very much for uh, being with us tonight online uh, with your questions and uh, text comments and also on the telephone with your live questions. I have a couple other text comments I'm not going to be able to get to tonight, but let me just acknowledge Gunnar in Los Angeles and Angelica. I'm not sure where she is, somewhere in Orange County. Uh, Tony 
in Montreal. I presume that's the Montreal in Canada. So uh, I'll write back to you guys personally. Sorry we didn't get to all other questions and comments, but we'll be here next Sunday. Two weeks from tonight, of course, is Christmas. So if today's the 11th and next Sunday's the 18th, the Sunday after that's Christmas. So I'm not going to be here on Christmas. I'll have to decide next week about New Year's Day. New Year's Eve is Saturday night, I think, and so Sunday would be New Year's Day, January 1st. Maybe we'll skip two. I don't know. Depends. But what I can say definitively right now is that we will be here one week from tonight on December 18 of 2016, and we will not be here on Christmas on the 25th. So join us next week. If you miss this program, somebody wrote me today, said, oh, no, I've got to go to work. I can't listen. As soon as this is over, as soon as this live class is done, the same web page immediately becomes a replay page. And a couple of days later, this is podcast through the iTunes Store, Stitcher, and all the other major podcast directories, just to be clear. If you'd like to write to me, my email is mb at theagelesswisdom.com. The T-H-E is part of it. My initials mb at theagelesswisdom.com. And I've got a voicemail number you can call anytime, 24-7. If you have questions or comments, if you want to know about private counseling, seminars for business, whatever, 818 is the area code and the number 569 30 one seven. That's any time of the day or night, twenty four seven, wherever you happen to be. Eight one eight five six nine three zero one seven. And yeah, here's an inquiry right here. Do you do counseling by telephone? Yeah, all over the world. I have clients in every continent, and it works. <laughs> it's very cool. So thanks a million for being with us. Uh, have a really, really wonderful week. Let's open ourselves to the Christmas spirit and the Hanukkah spirit and the holiday spirit of giving and loving and family and friends. And again, I appreciate you being here tonight. As always, be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. From Los Angeles, this is Michael Benner. So long.